How's everybody doing this morning? Am I on? There we go. Good to, good to welcome to Gator Alton Church. I'm Tim, and pleased to meet you. And if it's your first time here, sit back and relax. Uh, uh, we're just going to look at some scriptures this morning and close out this Rooted series. We've done three sermon series this, so far this year. Only three. <laughs> Man, they've been long ones, too. And um, we're going to wrap up Rooted uh, today. Again, if it's your first time here, we're glad you could be here with us. Uh, you'll notice in the bulletin, there's a bulletin inside that has notes that you can follow along in our lesson. Also, you're going to see some announcements about what we're doing here at Greater Alton on the campus and in our small groups, our discipleship groups as well. Um, let's see, there's a couple things I want to say. First of all, I just want to thank everybody that's participated in Trees from the Trunk with your candy and your time. You know, it, it was, it's great. We had, we had just about 2,000 people uh, come and visit our campus. And it was nice to uh, meet those people. Next year, we're going to try to uh, give our Teresa and Trunk a little facelift and hopefully uh, have a little more purpose in it and uh, be able to give some people some information about our church as well, okay? But a great, great time. Everybody uh, was very enthusiastic. And I know Bob and Janet would love to tell you, thank you for the candy. Thank you for the help. Um, It was a great time. I talked to some people that were parking cars, and they were listening to folks coming in saying, this is the one you've got to come to. This is the one you've got to see. And uh, I talked to another church that uh, they've been doing it for a number of years, had 900 theirs, and uh, it's just like, wow, you know, this, everybody's doing it now. And, uh, you know, we're still plugging along with this thing. I remember when it was just a, maybe not even 10 cars out of trunks, uh, and now it's grown so much. Uh, but thank you for uh, helping with that. Uh, also, the Ladies' Retreat is this weekend, and it's coming up, and it's... And if you look in your bulletin on the back page, it's about going deeper. It's about digging deeper is the theme this year. And um, a, lot of, a, lot of good, a lot of good stuff going to be happening that weekend. My wife asked me to remind you ladies uh, that um, to bring a picture. I think it says that in the bulletin, doesn't it, in the back there? To try to bring a picture, a picture you can part with. So you may want to make a copy of it. Uh, we're putting, they're putting together a special project at the ladies' retreat. And they're asking for either a selfie Whatever that is, I'm not going to comment or a group picture, okay? And uh, it can be like, like I say, a photo of people in your church family and bring it along. But we're going to be putting together something special there. Bring it with you to the retreat. Uh, they would love to be able to put that together. And Denise has shown me already some things that they're that, that they're working on for the retreat. It's going to be a really special time. If you haven't signed up yet, you still can. You know, make sure you get get involved in that. We've had the most ladies. We've ever had sign up, and I don't know how long. We can't remember uh, for this year's ladies' retreat. That is awesome to hear, isn't it? Um, and, and again, I get to say, there's so many other things in the bulletin. Uh, make sure you don't uh, pass them up. You're also going to probably notice a list of, of groups. Did you notice that in your bulletin? It's not a complete list, but it's a, it's a list of the groups that we're having our uh, resolving Everyday Conflict series we're going to be doing in our discipleship groups and our small groups uh, during the week. And we want you to know about, about that. I think one group, Sonia and Jeff Stewart's group, didn't get in there. But it is in the edited version at the Welcome Center. And they're, they're near Bunker Hill, and they're meeting on Wednesday evenings. So if you are considering uh, maybe going to a group on a Wednesday night, uh, near Bunker Hill, you'll have to see. Would you, Jeff and Sonia stand up just over here? Just I know, it's, I know. It, 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 I just want to say, there they are right there, if you want to stand. You stood up very well. So, 
applause. Okay, but uh, but but those you'll, yeah, Chris wants to stand up. You didn't get any applause. But uh, but you'll see that list of of, of uh, groups. We're having them meet at different nights, and if you've got, I don't know, everybody, life isn't life without some conflict. I mean, you put two people together, and you're going to have an argument uh, or some kind of, of mishap. It's just the way it is. Relationships are messy. But maybe, we don't, uh, I don't for you, I don't, I don't know for you, but for me personally, it's difficult sometimes to learn how to resolve conflict in our life with the people we love, uh, especially the people we love. And so we're covering this in the next several weeks. It's beginning next Sunday. We'll have our first sermon, and our small groups will be covering material. Uh, you, you'll notice uh, in that little, in your, in your bulletin, there's a little celebrate, or uh, there's a, re, a resolving um, everyday conflict uh, uh, invitation where it's got a little blank on the back where you can put your name and uh, a phone number and, and maybe invite somebody that you know is struggling with some conflict in their relationships right now. These are, this series is going to give us great tools on learn, learning how to resolve conflict in our relationships, especially with each other, especially with each other um, uh, in, the, in the congregation, in the church. Uh, we want to be a place that promotes peace. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's, you know, there's a lot of conflict out there. And uh, we're, we're starting with ourselves. We're starting to look at ourselves first. And we hope that uh, you'll join us. By the way, if you don't want to go to a small group and you'd rather, I don't, I'm kind of scared of a small group or I'm not sure if I could, what does a small group look like? Well, that's a small group of people. That's the best I can give you that meet in a house. If you would rather uh, meet in a little bit larger group or maybe uh, not in a small group at all, we're going to have a, uh, a group here at the church building. And uh, either Gary or Alan or myself will be helping you walk through that uh, from week to week. Uh, so uh, you can also come here at the church building at 7 on Wednesdays. I believe it's at 7, 7 o'clock. That sounds like a good one. Okay, elders decided right there. Two of us said 7. Gary? Oh, good. Gary's there. Well, that was quick. I wish we could do other things. <laughs> oh, my. Good to be together, though. Good to be together. Um, so if you want to get your notes out, we're going to look at we're going to wrap up this rooted series. You know, we've been talking about being rooted uh, for for 11 weeks now. And look at this passage. This is our jumping off passage in Colossians 2. It's not on in your notes, but it is up on the screen. Notice it says, "Let your roots grow down into Him and draw your nourishment from Him, so you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all He has done." And what a passage! A lot of a lot of material we've gotten out of this, out of this series, out of this one little verse. And notice it's saying that God, you know, he's, he's encouraging us in his word. Let your roots go deeper. Now, I don't know how, what it is for you, but I, I'm surprised at how many people are content with surface relationships, but Christian people with a surface knowledge of the scriptures or a surface, a surface experience. They're, they're, they're content with just coming to church and not really going very much beyond that. And yet the Bible says God wants you to have more than just some surface experience. He wants it to be deep. He wants your understanding of the Word of God. He wants your experience with Jesus Christ to go deeper than just here, okay, or, or, or a prayer over a meal. In fact, He wants it to grow so deep. It, he wants it like roots in a system in a tree to go down toward there's nourishment. And when that roots go deeper, not only do we find nourishment, we, a tree finds stability. It's able, to, it's able to stand stronger. In fact, that's what he says. Strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. And God wants you to, as a Christian, to have stability. 
and spiritual vitality uh, and stability in your life. Man, there's a lot of things happening right now. I don't know about you, but it shakes your faith. It rocks your faith. And, and how do I survive those days when things make me go, I'm confused or I, I don't know what to do or I'm discouraged uh, as a Christian? Your roots get deeper. You find the strength and the stability. You find them when you let your roots grow down. And that's up to you. See, I've decided my roots are going to be deeper than just church going. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know where I'm going in this life and where it ends up. And so we've been talking about all this stuff about, about roots, being rooted in the Word of God, learning not to have bitter root grow up in your life, how to root your family. We've looked at rooted in love, rooted in the will of God. Last week we talked about being rooted in solid and deep understanding of the mystery of God. We all talked about how we like a good mystery, whether it's Harry Potter or Lost, and how important it is not to, to get involved in a mystery, a mystery in the middle of the book, but rather learn from the beginning so you can understand it all and then go, ah, now I know why I'm to do this. Now I know why I'm to be this. Because a lot of times what and how long we do it is determined by the why. And so last week we looked at the mystery of God, understanding it, that God made everything and, and that originally this earth was supposed to be a permanent place for you and I. But no sooner did God get done making this perfect place like my cousins who'd come over and tear up all of our toys, Adam and Eve just messed it all up. And if, if it would have been Adam and Eve, it would have been you or me. You know, we like to say, well, Adam and Eve, what a screw up they were. If I'd have been there, you'd have screwed it up too. Because we just were messy. We're just messy people. We tend to break things. Our communication breaks down. We have emotional breakdowns. Uh, we can't, we, things just break down because we live in a broken world. And so because things are messed up and God didn't introduce the mess, man introduced the mess. It's my mess. It's your mess. Jesus comes along and says, help me. I want to help you clean up that mess. I want to help make it right. That's what the cross is about. That's what we learned last week. And that, and that because of the cross, now you and I get to choose. You get to choose if you want to follow Christ or not. Your friends get to choose. It's on them. It's on you. It's on me. I get to choose. That's the most powerful thing God gives you and I is our choice. So we get to choose. Do I want to follow Christ or do I not want to follow Christ? And then, of course, this mystery ends with the finale, uh, the finale, which is the coming of Christ, the coming of Jesus once again, to take us to be where, to uh, take us home as heaven, like we sang about. And so uh, that's, that's what we, we were talking about. But you know that today I want to talk about uh, the idea to be rooted in God's purpose. You know, if God has done all this, but what's, what's he really wanting me to do while I'm on the earth? Look at this passage here that's halfway in your notes, and I've asked Pat to put it at the beginning because it makes more sense. I'm always editing these lessons. Look at this. God, with full wisdom and understanding, let us know his secret purpose. This is what God wanted, and he planned to do it through Christ. He said, well, so what's Paul trying to say here? He's saying, you know, there's this, there's this grand mystery I want you to understand, but there's also this secret purpose. There's this reason for why God has put you on the planet. And he planned it this way long ago. I heard a guy say one time, why did God make man? And the answer was because he wanted to. Well, that was nice. I, I agree, but is that it? He just made me because he wanted to? Surely there's more to it than this. And the Apostle Paul says there is more to it than that. There is this purpose that God's wanting you to see and be rooted in 
And it's, He's planned it. He planned it through Jesus Christ. So that means as a Christian, God has a, He's revealed His purpose to you. Now, before we get into what that is, let's talk about, so why am I here on earth or what's the purpose of it a little bit? And we can run right into the other points. So, so why am I alive on this earth? Why doesn't God, if I'm a Christian, why doesn't God just drown me in the baptistry? You know, I had a guy ask me to hold him under for a long time. Now, he was a good friend. So I brought him up after a few, about 30 seconds. Now, if he hadn't been a good friend, oh, maybe I'd have held him under longer. Lord, help this man die to you. Well, he's quit twitching. I think it's over. <laughs> you know. I mean, why did? Why is it that you know we don't die in the baptistry? Because we do die spiritually, but how come we don't physically die? You know, we dry off. We get in the circle. We're part of a family. Go down to IHOP and eat. Like, we've, like we're celebrating. And then, then why does it, I walk out of the parking lot, I start going, <coughs> and die from food poisoning because God wants to take me home. Why didn't he take me home? Why does he leave me here on this earth? Well, there's three facts about life on earth that you need to know, okay? And on your notes and up here on the screen, we're going to look at them. Here's the first fact, okay? Life on earth is temporary. That's the first thing. It's a temporary assignment. It's not a permanent place. A lot of people live like this is your home. This is where you're going to stay forever. Get all, you know, get all I can, can all I get, and sit on the can. You know, I mean, I get all, I get all I can. It's my stuff. He who dies with the most toys. Uh, can you go back? What? Die? I thought we were going to stay with the toys. No, you're going to die. It's a temporary assignment. Psalms 80 says that. By the way, it says that you can live maybe 70, maybe 80 years, but it goes quickly by. Look at this passage. Look at the Bible says here. For this world is not our permanent home. <laughs> That's pretty plain. We are looking forward to our everlasting home in heaven. It's a temporary assignment. You were made to last forever. And that means you're going to outlast your body. Someday you're going to, you may hear this. I don't know. Somebody's going to hear clear. <clears throat> and then might maybe... Uh, call it, uh, he died about 5.13 a.m. Or she died at 6 o'clock, you know, okay. And they'll file your death certificate, but that's not the end of you. This is just a temporary place. Second thing about life, not only is it a temporary assignment, life is a test here on the earth. You're going to find it, it's a test. I know some of you don't like tests. I'm one of those people. I don't like pop quizzes. Somebody says, name the 12 apostles. I don't know if I could do it all. Tim, you should know. Pop quiz is, you know. But life is a test. It's a series of, of, of tests that God is putting us through. Since we live forever, he's, he's testing some things about us. Look at the Bible says here. It says here, if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you when, with the true riches of heaven? He says there's some tests you're going to have. You're going to be tested. Uh, with the world, on the planet, on the earth. Two, I've, I've heard it said this way. There are two tests. There's the test of salvation. In other words, what are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man gets to God without going through Jesus. So you have to decide. What, it's a test of salvation. What am I going to do with Jesus Christ? I had a kid one time say to me recently, because, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this God, and I don't like the, this God. If, if God is the God I read about in the Bible, or it seems like that innocent people are dying, 
I don't care if he is God. I'm not going uh, not gonna to let him have any control of my life. And I said, well, you know, that's a nice theory, but guess what? After you die and you open your eyes, you're going to be looking at the face of God. Whether you want to believe in him or not, you better figure out what you're going to do with him. Because life is a test. There's a test with salvation. But there's another test we go through, and that's the test of stewardship. See, God's not only going to ask me on Judgment Day, what did you do with my son Jesus? Test of salvation. He's going to ask me, what did you do with the stuff I gave you? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you do with all that time I gave you? What did you do with all that talent? You have that ability. You didn't just use it for yourself, did you? What did what, you do with... Just all that, all the things I, all the gifts I gave you. That's going to be a test. We're all going to face. There's another reason we're on this earth, another fact about life, and that is that my life on earth is not only these other things, but my life on earth happens to center around uh, for training. In other words, it's a preparation. It's, I'm getting ready for something. You see, here and now is not about here and now. It's really about later. It's about what comes. And so God uses life here on earth to get me ready. I listen to uh, someone on the radio. We always listen to people on the radio, religious people. Anybody else besides me do that? I listen to religious people on the radio. And I heard years ago this woman trying to explain, trying to answer this question. Why do people die sooner than others? And why, and, you know, and why do people have to stick around a long time? And, and what, what's, that, what's that all about? And, and she was trying to answer it. She goes, well, first of all, you've got to remember we live in a world of choice. And, you know, things happen. Not, not only people die because of their choice, but maybe of somebody else's choice. And they die young or they die old because of that. But another reason people st- are st- still on the earth or, or, or they're on the earth is to prepare, to get them ready for eternity. And then she said, I don't know how old you are, but if you've been around a while, I guess God really wants to work on you. You know, I, I mean, why? Because he's spending a lot. He's letting you live to get ready, to get ready for eternity. So he's using things to train you, using things to mold you and shape you. Look at this passage here. Here's an example of it in 2 Thessalonians 1. And this is just one example of many. God is using your sufferings, he tells the Christian. God is using your sufferings to make you ready for his kingdom. So it's preparation. It's, it's, it's for the purpose of, of testing me. You know, guys, you think about it. You're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than you are here. And so why am I here? It's to get me ready for forever. To get me ready for that. So what am I supposed to do? Why am I on the planet? So what should I be doing in the meantime? If, if God has a purpose, what should I really put my roots into and really draw from and go, these are going to be the things that I'm going to focus my life on. Let me give you five from the Scriptures. The first thing I need to see is that I'm on this earth to love God. I'm on this earth to love God. Do you love God? See, why was that so important, Jim? Well, you're going to be loving Him in heaven forever. (laughs) And if you're not loving Him very well now, how are you going to be so sure you're going to love Him when you get to heaven? In fact, the way you love Him now is the way you will love Him. So God puts me on earth so I can learn to love Him more and more and more. So that means every day I can, I can have a goal here, and I would encourage you to have this goal. It's a goal I've incorporated. That is, I, Lord, I'm going to love you a little bit more, 
and I'm going to know you a little bit more every day. Look at this passage. Jesus was asked one time, what's the, what's the most important thing? What matters the most? You guys ever watch City Slickers? Remember Billy Crystal and Jack Palance? And Billy Crystal's he's 40, and he's lost his way. He's lo- Yeah, Brandon goes, yeah, he lost his way. They go to the dude ranch. And, and uh, he's trying to find the meaning of life, and he's with Curly. And remember, Curly, Jack Palance plays. He's rougher and a cob tough. He goes, hi, Curly. He goes, I crap bigger than you. You know, he says that. <laughs> he's scary. The guy's scary, okay? He goes, man, he's a real cowboy. Rough. Got the cigarette with the ashes. You know, you know he's tough if the ashes are curved a little bit. And he's wrinkly, and the, the hat is all crunkly, and he's crusty, and he's got the six guns. Pow! And he shoots just perfect. You know, throws a knife perfect. And Billy Crystal sometime, one time says to him, Hey, Curly, you killed anybody today? You remember what he said? Day ain't over. Right? Well, finally they become, they become friends. And he goes, hey, Curly, you seem to be a guy who knows what you're doing. You know what life's all about. What's life all about? He goes, you guys come down here, you city folk. Come down here trying to figure out what the meaning of life is. When all you got to do is just understand it's only one thing. He goes, one thing? What is it? He goes, that's what you've got to figure out. I thought, that's pretty good. That's, that's, that's true. You've got to figure it out, folks. But, you know, Jesus isn't Curly. He doesn't say, you've got to figure it out, you're on your own. He kind of helps us here, doesn't he? Because there's somebody riding along going, hey, Jesus, you know, kill anybody lately? You know? <laughs> what's the most important thing? And he says, what's the most, I mean, what the most important thing is, it's to love God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the one that matters the most, is loving God. Do you love God? Can you say you love God? And he says, and how do I love God? He said, well, here's how you focus on it. It's kind of like a young man in love. With all your heart, your passionate, Anakin Skywalker love. You laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. I can't breathe. You can't breathe? But Jesus says, yeah, it's with so much. Your heart is so passionate and you're so much in love with God that you go, man, there's no one else. It's real clear. You see, when you love from the heart, guys, if you love your wife from the heart, she doesn't have to wonder if your eyes are wandering, wandering around. Huh? Ladies, when you love your man, you're my man. I love you with all my heart. He knows that. He's secure in that. Well, God says, I want you to love me like that. Not somebody. Don't, don't let somebody have your heart. Let me have your heart. With all your soul. What's he talking about? I'm so, I just want the want to in me. With all your mind. I think about you all the time, love. Jesus says, that's the command. That's the main thing. Man, just think about how many issues would be solved if we could just get this one down. How many choices you and I'd make for the better if we would just run it through, I love the Lord. It's about loving God. What's, what's it, heart, soul, and mind? What would you say that means to him in a nutshell? It means that you love God so much you seek to please him in everything you do. You will sacrifice anything 
to put a smile on God's face because you're that much in love with Him. That's, that's big. No wonder it's the first and the greatest commandment to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You say, Tim, that's just so simple. That's not complicated at all. I agree. It's not complicated at all. And when we bring that love into our, our lives, every area of our lives, every problem in our lives, doesn't it calm you down? Doesn't it give you clarity? Doesn't it make you a little more confident? You know what? I love the Lord God, my Creator, who controls everything. He'll take care of me. I know what to choose now when I base it on the love of, of God. But when you're loving something else and you're not loving the Lord like you should, it's going to be confusing, folks. You're going to go, what's going to happen now? You're going to worry. You're going to worry instead of love the Lord. Wow, that's a challenge, isn't it? Do you love the Lord? Look what he says in Hosea here. Look what he says in Hosea 6. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Why'd you marry me? Was it for my body? Which, what, is it me? Are you in love with me? Now God's saying the same. He's sitting there going, look, I know you sacrificed. Great sacrifice. But let me tell you, I don't want that. If I have to choose, I want you. See, you can do godly things and not have love in it. Didn't, didn't Paul say that? I can, I can give all I have to the poor and if I don't have love. He's talking about love for people. No, he's not. He's talking about love for God. He goes, it's a waste of time. I can speak in languages of heaven, of angels. And if I don't have love, I'm just making a bunch of noise. See, God don't want church attendance. Now, don't stay home next Sunday. He'd rather have you than have you here. Because if he has you... You'll be here. Well, I'm here because I'm supposed to be. That's not love, see. Love is I want to be. And God says, I want you to love me. I want you to know me. Not just do churchy stuff. Do you love God? Do you love Him down in the, I mean, right down to your toes? Look how, look how uh, Timothy says it. Paul tells Timothy this. See, you don't want to miss this. Look what, Tim, look what Paul tells Timothy. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. The most important thing is to love and know God. Guys, are you missing the most important thing? I think of... I, I'm a movie guy, okay? Remember Hook? When Dan, remember when Robin Williams, the wife, says, leans over... Because he's so busy working, says you're missing it. And what's he missing? He's missing that his children, watching his children grow up for him because he's so busy working. You know, and I wonder sometimes Jesus wants to lean over to us this morning and say, you're missing it. What am I missing, Lord? You're missing me. I think he told the Jews one time, you study the scriptures and think that by them you have eternal life. They talk about me. But you don't come to me. So scripture knowledge is not the goal. Knowing your Bible real I know a lot of people know the Bible real that do not know the Lord at all. 
I know that there's been times in my life I've known my Bible really well, but I didn't know jack squat about Jesus. He says, don't miss it. It's the most important thing. You know it must be because Curly agrees with Jesus. Let's look at the second. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Look at the second thing here. Look at the second thing. Okay. What's my purpose on earth? I'm on earth to learn to love others. Oh, that's a sucky point. Really? I thought I was on earth. I don't want to be around these people. I remember the bumper sticker. I love Jesus, but it's Christians I can't stand. Why am I on this earth to learn to love other people? Look what Jesus said. Look what he says here. The second is equally important. He says, first thing is, the first and most important is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He says, and the second one is equally important. He says, this is just as important as the first one. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. I'm on this earth to learn to love people. I say learn because maybe I should say the same thing about God, but I'm here to love people. I don't know how you are, but I tend to love people that like me back or love me back. I tend to love people that, that are lovable. But when they hurt me, disappoint me, or rub me the wrong way, how's it, how's it? there was a poem I found years ago. To dwell above with those we love, now that would be a glory. But to live below with those we know, well, that's another story. Huh? We have no problem liking it. Oh, I like you. Why? Because I like you. I love you because you're nice to me. You're considerate and kind. But if you disappoint me, if you hurt me, if you rub, rub me the wrong way, well, that's another story. God wants us to love other people. But I'll tell you what, I've noticed in something here. I noticed that, that God says he not only wants to love other people, there's a special group of people he wants us to love. Let's see that next verse. I think, I think I've got this right. Look what it says here in First Peter. Peter's saying this. This is Peter. Remember, he was a part. He was part of the twelve that betrayed Jesus, and Jesus took him back. Amen. Amen. Says God has given us the privilege of being born again, so that we are now members of God's own family. Because man, I'm a part of God's family. See, why is why is that so important to know? Well, look at the next. Look at he says the next chapter. Love your spiritual family. The reason I point this out to you is this. You know, do you ever find yourself kind of slanted toward your DNA family more than anybody else's family? Really? Some of you say no. Really? This Thanksgiving, you're going to invite me to your house? See, I had a Doty chowder, but you're not Doty's, so you weren't invited. You know, it was Gills, Doty's. He said, I'm just saying is that, you know, it was a family reunion. And I thought of my DNA family. When we, had, we celebrated Nicole's birthday last night at our house. But you weren't invited. Why not? Don't you feel kind of mad at me? Don't bother with me? Why didn't you invite us? We had chicken and T-bone steak.
That's why we weren't invited is what Alan said. <laughs> we had corn, sweet corn from the field, from Bone Gap. It was good, good, good. Cheesecake. Why didn't I invite everybody? Well, I invited my family. You do the same thing. Why do we do that? We have a category for our family, the DNA family. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, no. But do you notice in your DNA family, you kind of let the guard down, let your hair go? You kind of just, you're yourself. But if somebody shows up, somebody not in the family, have you noticed that the family functions now went to entertaining? I don't know if I'm the only person that sees this. But I find myself putting God's family in a different category than my family. Well, is there really anything wrong with that? Perhaps. Why? Jesus didn't see it that way. Remember what he, kind, of things, kind of things he said? Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside of what he said. My mothers and brothers are right here. He had a special place for God's family. Now, I was born into my family by the choice of my mother and father. Some night, I won't go into detail. They made a choice. I am here by choice. Interpret that any way you want to. I made a bad one. Okay, well, it happened. Here I am. And I didn't get to choose my brothers. I got one sitting here. I didn't get to choose him. Would you have chose differently? Perhaps. Mom, Dad, I see you're feeling a little frisky tonight. Why don't we wait till next week? You know, I had no choice. I didn't say that, by the way. And if I would have, they'd have, they'd have said there's five nickels out in the yard. Go find them. They actually did that to us as kids. They only put four out in the yard. Truth. I'm speaking the truth. That's the truth. Where's that fifth nickel? Why is it taking us so long? Oh. I want you to know that you might say, well, I chose this outfit because I chose. No, you really. God chose. You're in this family because of God's choice. He wants you in his family. You follow me now? He wants you in this family. And he wants you to count it as family. Now, I know some of you here. You don't have much of a family in DNA, but you've got it better in G-O-D. I know that. Praise God that you've got that. I say that for the rest of us who tend to, tend to lean toward our DNA family so much, we need to realize that G-O-D's family is special. And we're called to love those people. And, you, and by the way, when God's saying to love our family, love our spiritual family, how does he help us do that? By putting us with people that are hard to love. He does that on purpose. You're sitting in the same room, I assume not next to, in the same room with somebody that's difficult to love. Did I say it like that, Tim? Well, think about this. You're going to spend eternity with these people. I mean, what's your plan? Well, wait a minute. I'm going to heaven. And that person's going to heaven? Well, heaven's big. It's a big, big house. I know that. It's big. So I'll just go way over here. Because I've done pretty good managing to avoid the people here on earth that I'm supposed to love. I'm sure I can do it in heaven. Really? 
Is that your plan? You, you're going to be there forever. Ever, ever, and ever. Forever. So you're going to bound them, bump into them, right? So why not just start it now? Now, I know love has its different shades and all the different ways we love. I understand that, guys, because I know that sometimes love tells the truth and love has to hold to its guns. And, but, you know, it's, it's about loving them, not punishing or busting people out or shaming people. God calls us to love our spiritual family. And if you're going to spend eternity with him, he leaves you on earth a little longer so you can learn how to do that. What's number three? Number three um, goes like this. I'm on earth to become like God. Not only am I here to love God and learn to love others, I'm to become like God. What do you mean? I'm to become like Jesus Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what being a disciple is. It's following and learning to become like Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh. God in a body. You know, the Bible even says, early in the beginning, doesn't it say something like this? Let us make man in our image. He's saying, we're going to make him in our image. The goal was, guys, that God wanted you to be like God from the very beginning. But because we break things and mess things up, our image is distorted in a broken world. And so Jesus came, not only to die for us, and, and supply the forgiveness of sin and the power over the things that mar us and, and mess us up. But he also modeled for us, this is how you're to do it. This is how you're to be. And so I'm here on this earth to become like God. Look at the Bible says here in Second Corinthians, the Living Bible. It says, it says, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. You know, the Spirit of God, if you check your Bibles out, was at creation. He was involved. When it says, let us make man in our image, he's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the, Holy, the Bible says the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, bringing order and creating things at the beginning. And the Spirit is still trying to do that. See, God's goal is still to make you and I into His image. And He's going to use His Spirit to do that. He's going to use His Holy Spirit to nudge you, push you, pull you back, convict you, to think about it, to be curious about it, to fill you with His power, to be like God. Amen. You can count on that. Some of you go, I'm just not very good at being a follower. I'm just, you know, what am I going to do? The Holy Spirit will work in your life. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of you. You just keep yielding to the Spirit like Romans 8. You keep trusting the Holy Spirit, and He will lead you and guide you and give you the power to become more and more like God meant and made you to be. Oh, that's an awesome thought. Look what it says here in Philippians 2. In your lives you must think and act like Jesus Christ. See, God wants you to think. He wants you to love. He wants you to live like Jesus Christ. Now, if that's true, and it is, then is He going to put you and I through the same things that Jesus went through? I would think so. If I'm going to become like Jesus, I'm going to experience what Jesus experienced. And what kind of things did he experience? He experienced ridicule, rejection, 
persecution, trials, suffering, temptation. I shouldn't be surprised at these things. And I, I want you to know, I'm, just, I'm probably as big or a bigger baby than most of you in here. Because I'm always surprised. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Not now. I just can't stand it. What's going on? Why can't I have one day? Just one day. You ever felt like that? I have. Am I the only one who needs therapy? I mean, I'm telling you. Guys, I'm telling you, man. I, there's times I just go, man, why is this happening? And, and Jesus wants to say, why not? Why not, Tim? I'm trying to make you like Jesus. You're following Jesus, right? Right. And where did he go? He went to a cross. Oh, my gosh. He went through criticism. He went through trials. He went through temptation. Are you still stuck in the manger? Amen? You still stuck there? I will stay right here. Mary and Joseph are packing. Where are you going? They get on their donkey and they go and Jesus goes on. And Mary's like, you following Jesus? Come on. I'll stay right here for a while. Are you stuck in the manger? It's nice in the manger to some degree. But Jesus says, follow me, Tim. Follow me. Oh, the baptism. John the Baptist and baptism. I love it. Katush. Oh. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Awesome. I would love that. You stuck there? Follow me. You see where it's going, right? We have to go through all of them. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It led to a cross. It led to rejection. It led to suffering. It led to criticism. It led to questioning. It led to, to, to denial. It led to betrayal. And Jesus experienced all those. God put him through all that and says, you're going to follow Christ. You're going to go through those too. Don't be surprised. I say that for me. Tim, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, church. You're going through something right now. You know, what does the Bible say? Don't be surprised if you're going through a trial like this. Why? Because it's producing something. What is it? Character. You see, life here on earth is about producing character, not comfort. Hear me? It's about producing the character of God. And you can't find that in comfort. I want to think and act like Jesus all the time. I'm after that. Don't do it. I sure would love to get there. And it comes when I, I focus on this. I focus on, you know what? I can expect God trying to help me become like His Son. And He's going to use people. He's going to use what He used on Jesus. He's going to use teachers, His truth, trials, temptation, circumstances. He'll use them in your life too. You say, Tim, that sounds like uh, I'm going to lose my identity. Oh, no, no, no. You're not going to lose your identity. You're going to find your identity. Your true identity is the likeness of God. That's what you find. What a trade. What a trade up, huh? Literally a trade up. Here's number uh, four. I'm on earth to serve God. Amen. I'm here to serve God. God gives me all this stuff. Is it just for me? 
tell you, when you follow the Lord, you get so much stuff, you realize, I can't use all this stuff. The hint is obvious. I want you to use it for others. Look at what it says here in Ephesians 2. God made us what we are in Christ. God made us to do good works, which He planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. He said, on this earth, I made you a certain way, and thank God He made you like you are. There's no other one person like you. But He didn't make you just to make you unique and stand out and go, look, I'm somebody, I'm unique. He used you to you or made you to use you for good works. You see, in heaven, you and I are going to do a lot of good things. We're going to do, we're going to serve God in heaven. So he says, I want you to get a head start and learn how to serve well on earth. He says, if I don't serve here on earth, I'm not going to be very good at serving in heaven. I don't know about you guys, but maybe you got this impression that you know I'm going to be so messed up and all me, I'm all messed up, and we talk about that a lot. We are messed up. But if I don't work on becoming what I'm supposed to be here on earth, I'm going to get to heaven totally unprepared and totally blindsided by what's ahead of me. I don't, maybe you think this. There's going to be a magical button. Boop! I'm start praising God all the time. Really? You think so? If you're not praising God now, you're not going to be praising God in heaven. It's about developing you and getting you ready. There's no magic button or, you know, he's going to snap, snap something, a missing switch or something, and you're all of a sudden going to be this incredible, spiritual, Christian, perfect person. No. He's saying, no, you work on it here. Well, how do you do that? How do, how do I serve God? I don't see Him. Yeah, I agree. You don't see God. So how do I serve a God I don't see? I serve God primarily. I serve the God I don't see by the people I see. To the people I see. I serve people. That's what Jesus modeled for us. Look at this passage. This is not on your notes. This is, this is a parable. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he says, you know, there will be a time when a king will say it's like this in the kingdom of God. Well done. Come and receive your inheritance. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you, you gave me something to drink. And when I was naked, you gave me some, you gave me some clothes to wear. And the, you remember, they say, well, king, and they say to this king, How do, when did we see you do this? They're blown, they're blown away. When did we see this? We don't, we don't remember doing this. You don't remember doing it? No. When did, when did this happen? Oh, when you, oh, I'll tell you when you, when you did it to others. That's the answer right here. Anything you did even for the least of my people here, here, on earth, you also did for me. The king is on a throne. The king is in a castle. We don't even see the king. We don't even, I can't even see the king. How can I be serving you? You serve the people here. When you did, did that, Tim, when you do that, church, you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord. He made you to serve. And He wants you on this earth to serve people. Look, look at this, look at this uh, other passage here. Is there another passage? Yeah. I, uh, back up. Wow, Pat, you're really something. Look at that. It says there, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, you say, well, Tim, it sounds like you're not supposed to serve people. No, he's saying when you do, you do it with the motive you're doing it for the Lord. What would that do to your workplace? If you serve, you know, here comes the boss. You know how bosses are. 
They come in, they're unfair. They give you something to do and big pile of stuff. Have it done. They walk out. You don't want to do it, but it's for the Lord. How would that change things? How would it change the high school, junior high campus, campuses, uh, college campuses, if we treated our teachers like we were treating the Lord? Authority, homework assignments, other students, as if we're doing it for the Lord. He says, this is the motive. You're doing it for the Lord and not for men. Why? Because when you do it with, to people, when you're serving people, it's, you're, doing, you're, the, you're serving the Lord. It's the Lord your God you're serving. Now, this week, I want you to think about, if I was to, if, if, how would it change where I worked? How would it change where I lived? Where I live? How would it change my family, my family life, if it was about doing it for the Lord? If you can't do it for the person, you do it for Jesus, what would, would you do it? If you were doing something and you realized it was for the Lord, would it be different? Would it have a higher quality to it? Not perfection, but it would, you would treat it with a little more specialness. We're here to serve the Lord, guys. And I want to encourage you to serve the Lord because you owe it to Him. He served you. Because He'll reward you. Because it is a test in this life. And, and Jesus said it best, I think, when He said this, this passage here. That I want you to, he says, I want you to serve. Why? Because if you insist on saving your life, you'll lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. He's saying, man, you want to really live this life? Be a giver, not a taker. Give to others. Serve others. It's more blessed to give than receive. Now, I want you to know, I love receiving. Jesus says, I got something better than that, Tim. What is it? Giving. Giving? Giving. You know, we're having these care baskets, you noticed in the, in the bulletin. And, and I want to encourage you to, to uh, put together a care basket, either with your small group or if you can, individually. And let's, let's, be, let's, help, let's help these families this, during this holiday season. They're needing food. Did you, I don't know if you saw the stuff on food stamps on the news. One out of seven Americans are living on food stamps right now. One out of seven. And, and they've cut back on the food stamp to where it's affecting not one meal or two meals, but lots of meals. I've, I've heard as high as 30 meals in a family. 30 meals because of the cutback. And guys, we're, maybe there's some families here. That you're, you're experiencing that. We want to help you. We want to help you. You do not have to endure this junk all alone. You shouldn't have to worry about feeding your family. If you're, if you're serving the Lord... You won't worry about it because he will supply. But it's we really live when we do this. And the last thing, the last thing I'm here on earth to do is to share the good news. Let me ask you a question. Do you like hearing good news or telling good news? Both. I heard both. Yeah, I like both. I like hearing good news. But you ever you ever go, I know something and you can't wait to tell somebody? You know, uh, uh, it could be a host of things. But, you know, you, you've got some good news and you can't wait to tell somebody. You'll say things like, let me be the first one to tell you this. I love it when we have a baptism and people will join hands and then you hear all this good news encouragement. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, I want to tell you this. 
I want to tell you this about being a Christian. It is awesome. Good news. I want to hear it, but God says, I've got good news, and I want you to tell it. Look at this passage. It says, through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself, and he gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. You see, we're ambassadors. We represent Christ. And we're, to, we're, to, we're called to speak on His behalf. Look at this other passage here. It says, Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. You know, the reason I, I couldn't wait to get to this passage today is because after I got done with preparing my lesson, it was Friday, we began to work on... Uh, we couldn't have the Halloween party with the campus because it was just so, so rainy. So we had it the day after. Oh, what's the past tense for Halloween? Halloweened? The Halloween party. That's what we had. It makes sense. I butcher English all the time, but think about it. And so we're, so, you know, I, I, I get done with this lesson. This is one of the last verses on the notes, and I'm looking at it. I'm going, wow, I love that. Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. And so we're transforming the house into, if you've ever seen Star Wars, the Ewok village. We've got three fires and torches and, and stuff in the trees. And, and we've got, we got chowder from a year ago. Uh, we didn't, we're not going to give our this year's away. We're going to give last year's away. You know, we got in our crock pot. People are coming. You know, well, we're, you know, so I'm, we're all getting excited. We set up a tent. We get everything about ready there. And then Jeff Stewart shows up with the wagon for the hay ride. And if you've ever been on Jeff's hay wagon, it's a great little wagon. So he shows up with it. I said, well, Jeff, I'll tell you what, let's, let's take it around the back of the place. And then kids can, you know, tent students can get right on there and we can go. And I've got this old 1939 Ford 9N. It's 74 years old. And it's like, it looks like it couldn't run five feet. And we were pulling this wagon around and just we're talking about tractors and fun stuff. And all of a sudden three cars come up. They're college students. And they stop. They're, and I'm like, What's, so I stopped. I don't know if that's an international way of saying stop. And so I go, yeah, we're looking for the corn maze. The corn maze? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what you do. You go all the way back and just stay on this road. You'll see it. Don't get off this road. If it curves, whatever, just stay, you know, stay on the main road and take a left after the, after the golf course because... This road is being under construction. That's the only way to get to it. Man, thanks. I turn around, I'm walking back, and it hits me. Wait a minute. And it's first. Make the most of your chances to tell others the good news. So I run back, and I get to the last car, and there's, there's these four students inside. And I said, listen, and, you know, they don't know me. I'm an old man. Come to Halloween party. You know, I mean, I just know I've got... You know what I'm saying? I'm an old guy. You don't, they don't know me. And I'll go, listen, we're having a Halloween party at my house. A bunch of campus students are going to be there tonight. Because you just, just, if you keep going this way after you do the maze, come and join us. We're going to have a great time. We've got all kinds of cool stuff. We've got three bonfires. It's going to be a blast. We're even going to have a hayride. That's what Jeff and I are doing here. Okay, thanks. They don't come. They don't come. Three carloads. Hey, packed. Limbs are sticking out the windows. There's packed with kids. You know. They don't come. Well, Tim, you know, uh, that's why I don't invite people. The Bible doesn't say make the most when it's successful. It says when a chance comes. 
just when a chance, when an opportunity comes. And there was the opportunity. And that verse just screamed volumes in my head. And I'm glad I took advantage of that. That verse has been convicting me. And so, so then we get together. Here come a bunch of students. We had the international students there. And there's a couple there from Iran. And, uh, they, and you can tell they're looking around. They've never, you know, they're looking around. We've got fires. We've got skeletons with, with red candle wax pouring off the head and dripping off the foot. They've only been in the country since January. And so they're like, somebody, if there's a shriek, you know, I understand that. I've been places where it's kind of scary. And so we're talking and, and he goes, uh, so what do you do? I said, well, I own an autoglass but it had an old coat on. If you know what I mean, I've seen that. Yeah, glass. He goes, um, I also am a preacher. He goes, preacher? Who's a preacher? Now, Nicole is sitting here and Matthew here. And so Nicole goes, he's a preacher. He's a, uh, he's a minister. Minister, minister. What's a minister? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a pastor, pastor, pastor. And then the girl goes, oh, a holy man. And I go, man, I'm not very holy. I got a hole in my sock, you know. That's about holy as I am. Holy man. Well, he goes, oh, tell me what you believe about Jesus Christ. I have never had anybody say that to me, ever ask me that. Now, don't come to me after services and say that to me now. It won't count. But you don't never had anybody say, tell me what you believe about Jesus Christ. And so for an hour and a half, with Nicole's help and Matthew's help, they help me understand what they're saying, and we're talking about Jesus. We talk about how the good news has affected our lives. It was cool. Nicole talked about her journey. I talked about mine a little bit. It was great. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm probably, you're probably tired of talking. Nicole goes, oh, Tim loves to talk. <laughs> it's the truth. I said, I'll talk to a fence post. What's a fence post? Forget it. It was... But, but to sit there and talk about Christ and not, not about church, not tell me about your church, but talk about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. He came to die for your sins. He wants to be with you forever. And he goes, well, I believe in God. I said, you do? Yeah. And I go, well, you believe he made you? Yeah. Why did he make you? Ooh, that's a very good question. I said, you better find out why he made you, and you better figure out what you're going to do with Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through Jesus. Good news. And I want to tell you, you know, chances. Chances. Take advantage of the chances. Look for those chances. They happen all the time, church, especially during the holidays. Let me encourage you to do that. Let me ask you a question. Ask yourself, ask yourself this. Will there be anyone in heaven because of me? doesn't mean you have to say something. I mean, will it be because you serve someone? Maybe you just gave an invitation. I don't know the verses, but you know how to invite people. Will, they, will you have a direct or indirect way at all? Getting anyone to heaven? God wants you to use you to tell the good news. Now, I know it's probably been a long day or... Or, uh, we went through five points with three subs. That's eight. Um, I want to show something to you. It's and Pat can go ahead and set it up. It's it's this is a this is a video of Susan Boyle at the Br- Britain's Got Talent. Go ahead. 
right. What's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and uh, where are you from? I am from Blackburn, near Barkeet, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of... It's a collection of... villages. Uh, I can think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but here's hoping it will change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dream the Dream from the Mr. Up. Okay, big song. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on the show. We 
when you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like Elaine Page, everyone was laughing at you. No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. Amazing. I'm reeling from shock about you two, but... I am so thrilled because I know that everybody was against you. I honestly think that we were all being very cynical and I think that's the biggest wake-up call ever. And I just want to say that it was a complete privilege listening to that. It was I knew the minute you walked out on that stage that we were going to hear something extraordinary, and I was right. Got a lot of touch. Susan, you are a little tiger, aren't you? You are. Okay, moment of truth. Here's yes or no. The biggest yes I have ever given anybody. Amanda? Yes, definitely. Susan Boyle, you can go back to the village with your head held high in three S's. won that thing, you know. She ended up winning it. And uh, now she's a worldwide known singer. Uh, what you find out about Susan Boyle is she, was a, she sang in her church. In a little Scottish church. That's where she sang. That's all, that's all she did was just serve her church by singing. And then she decides from encouragement to try out for Brit Britain's Got Talent. And she wins the thing. I don't know about you noticed, but you noticed when she was coming out, she's just a quirky person, isn't she? Yeah, and, and, and people are looking at her, shaking their heads. Um, they're, they're like, no way. And even, you know, this is what gets me. You have Pierce Morgan and Simon Cowell on the same panel, and we all know how ruthless and heartless those two guys are. And to, to watch them go. And, you know, of course, Simon, was, he didn't know what else to say. But isn't that something that, that you see? You say, why did you show this to me? Well, it's, it's got an emotional connection to me. Because what it tells us, is that, you know, the world's wrong about Susan Boyle and the world is wrong about you. The world says the pretty people, you know, the, the people that, that seem to have it all together, are the, they're the ones you want to pay attention to. They're the ones that are useful. But you see, that the truth is, is that God has given each of us something that He wants us to use. He didn't give you all the talent. You'd get big-headed. I'd get big-headed. And I wouldn't need anybody. You wouldn't need anybody. No, he gave a little bit to you and a little bit to someone else. And he wants all of us to use that. And I just want you to know, it, when, I, when I watch a video like this, it tells me that you matter. Every one of us, we matter to God. Oh, we're quirky in our own way. We don't, we, we're naive in our own way. And, we, and we're weak in some places. But God wants to use us in spite of that. It tells me you can't judge a book by its cover, and you shouldn't. And we shouldn't do that with each other. But you know, you shouldn't do it with yourself either. 
Not to judge yourself by the cover you think you are, because God has something inside you He wants to use to serve others, to bring others to Christ. Look at this final passage on your notes and up on the screen. Look what Jesus said. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And I want you to know that if you have a dream of God using you, God shares that dream. He wants to use you too. Don't let anybody take that from you. Don't let anybody squelch that desire to be used by God. Why? Because you bring glory when you do what He wants on this earth. And I pray someday you'll be able to say, I brought glory to this earth. That people will say, he or she at your funeral brought glory to the earth because they finished the work that God gave them to do. You see, you reach people I can't. You touch people I can't. That's good. That makes the church strong. Don't hold on to your gift. Don't hold on to your, your abilities. You know, I don't know what they are, Tim. Why not? Be praying about it. Why not ask God to help you reveal that, what you're to do? Why not look for opportunity? And just be you. God made you the way you are for a reason. And let let this God use you and bring glory to this earth. It's so in desperate need of glory right now. Isn't it? The world needs to see the glory of God. And He sees it when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, use me. Do what you want with me. Be rooted in His purpose this week. Be rooted the next two months. Let God use you, church. There's somebody He's trying to reach, and you happen to be the person He's going to use. Be sensitive to it. Ask for the help you need, and let God use you this morning. There's a card. There's a card in your, in your bulletin. It's a communication card that's simply a chance for you to make a comment or a prayer request. We really hope you'll make a commitment and a prayer request this morning. What do you need to make a commitment to? Tim, I've not been loving God. I need to love God. Well, what a simple thought. I'll just start there. Start there. You know, oh, I love God, Tim. It's the people I can't stand. I've got some people I just have a hard time with. Well, then ask God to give you the strength and the, and the power to love them. Is there some place you go, man, I know I'm nothing like God there. I'm nothing like Jesus. You know, God wants to change that. Why not put that on that card? Lord, help me change this area of my life as a husband, as a wife, as, as, a, as a son, a daughter, as a friend, as a leader. Make me more like your son in this area. Is there, is there something you need to do this week? Somebody needs your service. Why not say, Lord, you know, I know I need to serve this person. I'm going to start serving them. They're in my church family. I'm going to quit picking favorites when it comes to family. I'm going to love your family too. Well, maybe it's, I, I need to, Lord, I don't know how to share good news with people. Well, share with the good news you have. Just talk about your church. Talk about your friends. Talk about what Jesus has done for you. Or just talk about, I like following God. I like Jesus. Whatever it be. Maybe you ought to write in there. Maybe there's a prayer. You know, Lord, give me boldness this week. Help me be rooted in these things. Use me for your glory. I'm not going to let the world anymore tell me whether I can do this or not. I'm not going to let the world dictate to me with their, their jeers and their sneers that I can't do something for you. you know, Jesus, 
wasn't all that good looking either. Boy, he did some amazing things. So don't let the outward appearance, your outward appearance, discourage you. But let the Holy Spirit use you and share good news. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you.